Creating your own reality. Is it possible for me? I am Jennifer K. Hill, the Consciousness Architect, and I am here to tell you that it's not only possible, it's closer than you might think. Welcome to the show. Hello, friends, and thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Regarding Consciousness. I am Jennifer K. Hill. I am so grateful to be able to host and facilitate today's conversation with a dear friend who I've known for over several years now before he became a worldwide phenomenon, a Wall Street Journal bestselling author, New York Times bestselling author of It's All the Same to Me, Moshe Gersh. And most recently in the last year and a half in 2021, Moshe gave, gave a TEDx talk that went viral and has now had over 1 million views. In it, he shares what are some of the secrets of happiness. Moshe joins us today from Jerusalem and first began his career, this is how we connected about three years ago, was a world-famous rock star turned thought leader and teacher who has now devoted the past several decades of his life to disseminating the beautiful wisdom that he has gathered from all of his studies in his books, in his talks, and in the interview we're going to do today. Thank you so much for being here with us, Moshe. Jennifer, it's such a pleasure always, always to be in your presence, and I'm looking forward to this conversation. Oh, thank you, my friend. It's so powerful. For those of you who are not familiar with Moshe's work, it's quite an incredible story, Moshe. I know you talk about it a little bit in the TED Talk, and one of my favorite things is the story of how sometimes we are faced with things that we think might be bad, or we might think the universe is against us, or something is not fair, right? And yet, when we push through, and when we see a thing as good, rather than assuming it's bad, it can lead to some of the most profound miracles of our life. Would you like to share a little bit about that, Moshe? Yeah, I think that's one of maybe the core teachings of general spirituality, of being able to be open to the idea that things are happening with a reason and a purpose that is bigger than our small human minds can really wrap our heads around at any given moment, because life is happening infinitely wide in space and time. And I think when I think about my journey, that's been a recurring theme of being able to see when things go wrong and to realize that there is no wrong. There's no such thing as things going wrong, but that things are happening in the same way that a heart beats, where there's an up and a down in the scale and there's an in and out, just like the breath. And it's part of that life force. Life force is the movement. So in my life story, I don't know if you're referencing something particular. I share lots of different stories about when things look like they were going wrong, things were going right. I know for me, one of the places where I've always been just mesmerized by the way the universe interacts with us is when we, my parents left Los Angeles. My family moved to Israel when I was 18 years old. I stayed in a rock band and it was great. I was having the time of my life. We were trying to record music and we were down to like our bottom barrel in terms of finances. And I also had the one-year ultimatum. My parents basically said, mentally, emotionally, and somewhat financially support you for a year. And if not, please go to university. Please do something with your life <laughs> other than try to make it work. And look, I'm from LA. I really wanted to be a musician. Let me rephrase that. I am a musician. I think that music, if it's part of you, it doesn't go anywhere. But I wanted to do it professionally. Somebody, I met somebody who said he could get like he was a booking agent and he can get us this after party for the Grammys. 
he said it would cost us $400, which at the time was a lot of money for us that like really was dug deep into our pockets. And we gave it to him, which by the way, if you meet someone at a coffee shop and he offers you an after party for the Grammys for $400, that's the red flag. That is the red flag. And I think we all have those red flag moments and stories in our life where we just want it to be true so much. We want it to make sense. We w- <laughs> And so we went down that path and then eventually... Uh, he gave us the address and we showed up to this big after party, which was supposed to be in Beverly Hills. And it wasn't Beverly Hills. It was Beverly Wood, which is a neighborhood or two over. And it wasn't a big mansion. It was a, a nice, modest home. And I walked in and there were three people in a living room, one of them in their boxers watching the Grammys. The, my band looked at me like, what have you done to us? And they were ready to leave. They were really, like, it was, I said, look, we were guided here. <laughs> This is it was meant to be. And it's funny because even when I was playing music and it was way before I went on my large spiritual journey, I was raised with this idea of there are no mistakes in the universe. There are no accidents. We're always being guided. Life is working out for you. Life is working out for all of us. And ultimately, life is evolutionary. So even when things look like they're going down, things are moving up. So we stayed and we put our stuff in the back of this home. And we set up our gear and we thought, okay, like we're not really performing for anyone tonight, but we're going to get a glorified band practice. And that's enough. Like that'll, at least we're walking away with a night to practice together. About five minutes before we started playing, these three individuals walked in and they looked more distinguished and they had passes on, looked like they actually came from the Grammys. And it turns out they had been duped also. And they were told that there was this great party that they should go to after the Grammys. And they came to this home and it was the CEO and president of a record label with one of their artists. And they sat there and we played for them. And it ultimately was a private showcase. And within two weeks, we signed a contract with them. and We signed with this record label, which the next year and a half while we were on the label, we recorded an album with them, which went out nationally. And we toured the country a couple of times. It was an incredible experience. And in, in a million years, if you would have been there for the snapshot, that's what life is. Remember the snapshot where you thought everything was broken. And in that moment where you think it's all broken and you think it's all wrong, it's staying open and it's having certainty. Not that, oh, it's going to work out the way I want it to. It doesn't always work out like that, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> but it's being curious. It's really being curious to what's going to happen next and keeping an open mind and keeping an open heart. And it's not that we were lucky, right? It's, uh, some something that I share with people a lot. It's not that some people are lucky. It's that some people are looking, right? And when we stay open, we stay looking. We, we elevate our inner frequency to, to rise up and match that which is happening in the collective. That's when we find those opportunities and those golden nuggets of life. So for me, that was one story, but I, it's funny just this weekend. Life is filled with that, right? There's all the good times and there's all the times that don't look good yet. I couldn't agree with you more, Moshe. I think I wrote about it in my first book. There was a moment, a game I used to play, and it's a beautiful metaphor for life. And I think the game was called Unblock Me. And the idea was that you had to move these little pieces, these little blocks, kind of Tetrisy, but you had to move them in order to be able to get out of this maze that was the game and to get to the end and to win this game. And I remember one day I was playing this game and this was over a decade ago and I'm playing and I just want to throw on the towel. I'm like, there's no way out. There's absolutely at the point I'm at right now in the game and with where all the blocks, right? Metaphorical or literal blocks, where all the blocks were in the game, it was impossible, completely impossible to win the game. And so I'm about to put my phone down and just throw in the towel and give up. And I was like, you know what? 
I'm just going to allow breath. I'm going to ground and I'm going to give it that one last try right when you're about to give up and you're about to throw in the towel. And it was in that last try that every puzzle piece just naturally Mm. moved and opened up. And there at the end, you were able to win at the game. And I realized what a beautiful metaphor it is, as you and I both know, having studied Zohar and Torah and Kabbalistic wisdom, I love this, is they always say that the creator of the universe will give you often three tests. And so we're always, the universe always wants to give us what we want. However, we have to earn it. Imagine if I give Moshe a million dollars right now, you might not have the capacity. This is often what happens with people who win the lottery. You give someone a million dollars, their vessel doesn't have the space to hold it and they lose it. It causes pain. It causes chaos. However, when we trial, when we go through arduous efforts, when we earn that light being money, our soulmates, happiness, fulfillment, it's in passing these tests and having that certainty, as you say so eloquently, Moshe, in your TED Talk, is the universe always looking out for my good? Does it have my back? Do I believe that I could win at this game called life? Do I believe I could win at being happy and having a life that is fulfilled? And I think it's so so aptly put the way you describe it in the TED Talk, Moshe, of what would it take to stay certain? What would it take in that moment where all else seems failed and we want to throw in the towel to push through that last little block and then allow all of the light, all of the wonder, the miracles and the joy to flow naturally in? Because that is how we were designed. We were designed to receive it all, right? Yeah, absolutely. And even when you describe the game and like that last piece, and it's really that breath that you take, right? You said you took one last breath before you go into it. And whether that's a physical breath or a metaphorical breath, it's taking the pause at some point and allowing yourself to stay just a little bit more open through the questions of life. In Kabbalah, it says the blessing is the light, but the questions they create the vessels. It's the questions that allow us to build the vessel because by working through the struggle, we create the opportunity to then hold on to it once it comes in, right? So we all want the blessings. That's what we want. We want the light. We want the love. We want to feel inner peace. We want to feel connected. We want the financial well-being and the emotional well-being and the social well-being, and we want to feel on purpose. But if if we're not yet ready for it, like you said, so we're given the questions of life. Right? And the questions of life are called them the challenges or the, the the road we have to travel, right? That's what allows everything to open up. But I think you're right. I think having that breath, it's the pause. It's the pause while the chaos is happening. It's finding the eye of the storm. It's taking time to meditate or sitting there reminding yourself, what do I know is true about myself, about the universe? What's really true? Because what happens is we get lost in the illusion, right? And the illusion is so powerful, because it makes us feel like we're separate from everything, separate from ourselves, separate from God, separate from a divine source, separate from everything we want. And to the degree that we're caught in the illusion. So then we get overwhelmed by some form of fear, which then gets the mind going. And once the mind gets going, so then we've lost it. So that pause, that's everything because it's the pause of return. That's one, one of the main ideas in Torah philosophies, teshuva, which means to return to self, return to source, right? And Finding time to pause, to return, and to go back in, that's everything. Because if you have that, then anything can be happening on the outside, but you're rooted and grounded in reality. 
you're rooted and grounded in truth. I so deeply resonate with that, Moshe, and it ties in actually to what you and I were speaking about before we came on, as I often share the juiciest parts of the conversation sometimes start before we even hit record, because that's just how life is. When you're coming from this place of inquiry, curiosity, you just are always engaging in these magnificent conversations that allow our brains, our minds, our souls to expand. And Moshe and I were speaking just before we came on. I said, I really admired the fact that he used to study Torah. What was it? 14 hours a day, Moshe? I think you told me at one point. (laughs) Yeah. And I was sharing a practice that I was noticing that I was blocked. I've been building a new company and it's something I've never done before. And I don't know about any of you or you, Moshe. Sometimes I shut down when I don't know how to do something, when I haven't already been effective. Like you, when you were getting that record deal, you had never had a record deal before. It had never been done. And sometimes it's easy to allow ourselves to get thwarted or stuck in the mind and that quicksandness of, oh, but I don't know how, but I can't. And I had this epiphany one day as I was reflecting and meditating that just said, start scanning Zohar 30 minutes a day. And for those of you who don't know, a Zohar is an ancient Kabbalistic text that predates all religions. And out of doing that, all of a sudden, where I felt stuck before, I was telling Moshe as we started, wisdom was coming so fast and so deep, you can't even write it down as fast as it comes. What are your thoughts on that, Moshe? How, where do you receive the wisdom to write your books, the wisdom to receive the inspiration for your TED Talks? Where does that come from for you? First of all, wow, there's so much I'd love to respond to all the points you just said. There's all sorts of amazing pieces of beauty in there. And maybe if I can roll through and then answer your question, just on that first piece of sometimes you're doing something new and you feel like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing it. So you would get blocked. Uh, It's amazing. And I'm sure we all have that experience. And just for those who have almost like a counter experience, I also, I sometimes find that when I don't know what I'm doing, I'm more open to the guidance because I know I don't know, but it's only once I've accomplished something in any area, then I get caught in my head as if now I'm supposed to know. And it's almost like the converse. It's like the flip. So the block can come from either side. You can be blocked blocked because you don't know. And then you can be blocked because you did know or you figured it out. So, so blocks, yeah, blocks are like just part of life. That's just what we're doing here. We get these, uh, we get these blocks. And in terms of turning to the Zohar or any spiritual text for that matter, where you really feel plugged in, I think what you're doing is right. There's a concept in Hasidus. Hasidus is it's about 300 years old at this point in terms of the uh, the tradition that started as like the mystical spiritual side that took the Kabbalah and the Zohar of the Torah and then really channeled it towards the human consciousness and metaphysics. So over there, there's an idea called Kola Hapoel Benifal, which translates to the energy of the creator is embedded within that which is created. Or more simply, the energy of the creator is in the creation. When you pick, there are certain books you pick up or certain audios you'll listen to or a video you'll watch, and you can feel the energy very fast, right? Because it's not just the content of what's being said, it's who's saying it and the state of consciousness they're in while it's being said or while it's being written. So when you pick up a book and it's just got this energy that even when you just look at it, or even if you start reading it and you're already feeling this energy coming through. So sometimes it's the content and the content is really beautiful and it's well-written and it's packaged in a nice way. But again, that's the vessel. What you're really getting is the energy of the person who put it in, which actually leads to an interesting side conversation, maybe for another time about what'll happen when AI models start writing spiritual books. And do you get 
do, are you just going to get information from those type of books or is it or is there going to be that spiritual component and the human component is the sole component that's going into that which we're seeing but maybe that's a conversation for another time but, but yeah so when it comes to the zoar it's interesting i do the same thing that you do jennifer very often when i feel blocked and even if I'm not feeling blocked, I'll start my day just about every day, unless something happens that takes me in a different direction. I'll usually start my day reading a piece of Zohar or some other Kabbalah or Hasidist or something in that world, right? Or even something just deep and beautiful poetry to put myself back into that space of alignment. Because even this really is going now to the heart of your question, which is where do I go to find this inf- inspiration? There's many different ways we can break down the fabric of reality, right? And that's the beauty of ideas is that depending on how complex we want to make them, you can make life physical, material, and spiritual. Or my the breakdown that I resonate with most of these days are there's the material, then there's the energy and information that's behind all the material, and then there's the source consciousness that is where everything emanates from. But that three could be broken down into four, could be broken down into five, depending on which space you're in, right? Even within the world of Torah and Kabbalah, there's many different breakdowns, but certainly once you open that up to all spiritual paths, there's different breakdowns of how many layers you want to go into between the material and source. But for me, I see it as to oversimplify there's the material, which is, am I taking care of myself physically, physically, emotionally? So if I'm out of physical balance, so then I find myself uninspired and, and disconnected. So that'll be the first thing where, you know, the exercise and making sure that I'm putting the right foods in my body and making sure I'm taking care of myself. And then on the emotional, energetic, in, informational level, that'll be where I go to to look for this energy. That's like when I'm going to pick up a book or to sit and listen to some inspiring music or something to bring up my overall energy and my inner state. And then that source consciousness for me, I feel like when I've experienced that at the deepest day to day, that comes through my meditation, like in a daily meditation practice and just getting quiet, really getting quiet. So whether it's learning new ideas or whether it's just getting quiet, I find that it's in those spaces that the energy starts to flow. And on a personal level, like you asked about writing books and talks or things of that nature, it's, I feel like it starts to channel once I start writing. I'll do the meditation and I'll sit and I'll read and I'll have immersed myself in the world of spirit in a deep way first. And then I'll get in front of the computer or I'll sit with my notebook and my journal and I'll start writing. And after the first few words, the flow is there. It's not really me anymore at that point. And I think anybody who has this type of spiritual experience knows what I'm talking about. There's like a resonance to like, once you, it's like you open your mouth in prayer or you start writing with your pen or you start typing on the computer and it, you're still maybe in your ego mind a little bit. But once you open up and let it go and let it flow, so because you had that time before that you were plugged in, it just comes through in a very beautiful way. And I'm often surprised at what comes through because it's not really, it's the, the it's like there's two parts to you, right? Like whatever you call it, the body and the soul or the ego and the spirit, whatever language you use, right? So when you get to that higher mind, so when the higher mind starts coming through, it's a beautiful thing to experience and then to look back afterwards. I completely agree. And it's funny, as you were sharing that, I heard a very funny piece of wisdom. Sometimes this happens for me when I hear or read anything, all of a sudden other wisdom drops in. And as Moshe was sharing, what I heard is you could technically find wisdom in a wall. And I say that as a metaphor, because as you share about the lens through which we see the world, everything can be a spiritual text. 
everything can be the taste of chocolate or the feeling of love or compassion or gratitude. And I think that, correct me if I'm wrong in this, Moshe, if we look for that thing, if we look for the good, we look for the wisdom, it doesn't, you could be reading your favorite romantic paperback novel, but if you looked for wisdom, and in fact, I'm going to digress because this was a funny thing that happened once. I, last summer, I don't get to LA very often now, like Moshe, I used to live in LA for many years. And a group of my girlfriends all wanted to see Top Gun. And so my girlfriends all planned this girls night out to see Top Gun. And I was like, just like of all the things I could do with my life, I do not want to go see Top Gun. So I made a deal with God. I said, God, I'm going to go see Top Gun. However, in exchange, I'm going to spend this wonderful time with my friends. And my only request is that you provide me and that I receive some sort of wisdom out of the movie that I wouldn't have otherwise received. So again, getting wisdom out of a wall or out of whatever it might be. I kid you not, Moshe. If I don't know if you saw, have you seen Top Gun, the latest one? Not the new one, no. Yeah, so I could have cared less, right? But I go in and the movie opens, and I'm not giving too much away, but as the movie opens, it's Tom Cruise, and he all of a sudden is going down, and he's going down to get to Mach 9 or something. They have to test to Mach 9 in order to get to Mach 10. But he gets a phone call saying, we're going to shut the project down. They're not going to let us. They're saying we're behind schedule, et cetera. So Tom Cruise goes in and he goes against all the rules. And he says, if I don't hit Mach 10, if I don't push through every barrier today, this whole project is going to be shut down. It's never going to be realized. And so in that moment, he goes against every grain, pushes himself to the limit of what he knows is possible. I am sitting there, Moshe, like eight girlfriends on either side of me and ugly tears, like where your face just balls up and you're like snots running down your face. That was me because I heard in that moment, the message was that in order to make the difference, it's going to tear me up, in order to make the difference that I wanted to make in the world, I was going to have to break through my own limitations, my own boundaries, my own blocks and all the limitations the world put. And when I went and I saw that, the movie had a whole new context for me. That resonates so deeply. And I get it. I get it. And I've had messages through movies and and, and just being out in nature, seeing things, mm-hmm. a sign on the side of the road, a right place, right time, where a bumper sticker is exactly what you needed to see right now. Like it is. Life is God in action. That's a phrase I think about all the time. All of life is just the guidance and universal intelligence diversified in the dynamic energy that makes life. That's what it is. All of life is this movement. And there's a line in the Zohar that says, which means there's no place where God is not, which means there's no time that God is not. There's no thought where God is not, no person where God is not, no sound bite where God is not. Meaning, And of course, when I'm using the word God here, and for those who resonate with that, it's great, but it means that there's no that you have that is devoid of an opportunity to connect to the deeper messaging of the cosmic nature of the universe. There's nothing. There's no time. There's no place. Emotion you feel. That's not exactly what where you can meet God right there. You can meet it all right there. It's everywhere. So of course there's some I think there is something special to when you're you like you said, you spend you spent a half an hour getting all of this download because you sat and put yourself in a high vibrating space called the Zohar. But yeah, you can get it anywhere and everywhere and anytime. And that's really the power of the moment, right? Because the moment is where it's all taking place. Uh, I don't remember if we spoke about this last time, but the the name for God in Torah, the Yud, the Hey, the Vav, Hey, which is not pronounced, but it means the eternal now, the forever present, right? That's how it translates. The Yud means always. And then the Hey, Vav, Hey means present or now. Mm-hmm. And that means that you can find God 
in the eternal now, right? Anywhere you are, there's an opportunity for that connection. Some places just remind us about it more quickly. So powerful, Moshe. And I'm being called, we can definitely do a longer conversation on this. So piggybacking on what you just said, how God is the eternal now, God is in all things. And again, you can replace God with the infinite, with source, with universe, Gaia, whatever speaks to you. It's just a metaphor for something that we're using to describe a universal power. You could call it love. And my question is this, Moshe, to tie it back into what you said on AI and consciousness, and the show, of course, is called Regarding Consciousness. If God is in all things, and you were talking about will future texts be devoid of spirituality, would there not then also be God or infinite or source energy in AI because all things come from creation? Oh, yeah, absolutely. At the base level, that would, it's, there would be no less opportunity to connect to God in an AI-generated paragraph as you could from a grain of sand, meaning ev- everything in the world is filled with it. I think what I was pointing to is the human spirit is mm-hmm. a channel to extremely high, potent form of consciousness, right? What a human can bring to the table. Again, there's there's energy in every rock, in every blade of grass, right? There's energy in every animal that's on this planet, right? There's godly spirit in and connecting through all things, right? So that light is there in everything. What changes is the degree of perception of the light that's there. So t- on a technical level, right? So you could go anywhere and if you were to experience the depth of whatever that thing was. So the depth of everything is the same white light. It's the reason why the name of my book is it's all the same to me, because the sameness is the same white light, the same universal connection, right, that exists within all things, places, and time and events, et cetera. So you could get there. But in terms of what you're putting into the world, right, Mm -hmm. there's something unique and special. Like you, when you, when somebody makes food for you with love, right? If you're sensitive, you feel it. You can feel the love that went into the food, right? You can feel the compassion and the joy and the smiling and the laughter in the kitchen that all went into what was made, right? For for whether it's a small meal or it's a festive meal, like it's different. And so as deep and potent as the information might be from an AI model, that element, I have I imagine would be missing. And again, I guess we'll see. But that's that that's what I'm that but that's what I'm that's what I'm talking about, which is that when you go to the space and you're in that download space and you're open and it's all coming and it's clear, and then you sit down to write something, mm. you could write one sentence, but every human being that reads that sentence later, it moves them, it could move them to tears. It's one sentence, right? And AI could write an entire book and it would be brilliant and deep and amazing, but it might not move people to tears unless it were a story. But as information, it might not. But you could write, you a person who's connected, right, is more potent, I would say. Some people might say more powerful. This isn't about power. It's about potency. It's about the ability to experience, to feel, to really feel what's going on behind the words. Two people can play the same piece of Mozart or Beethoven. One of them makes you laugh and cry. And the other one is a nice song, right? Because who is it that's going into it? Who's the, the energy that goes into that which is being done is something that everyone can experience. And to the degree that your uh, instrument, your human instrument is in tuned and aligned and tuned up to actually pick up on that, you'll get it even more right? So it goes both ways. It's that which is going into the creations. And it's how in tune you are as you're engaging with the creations. And when those two things meet, so things elevate. Mm. But it does create an interesting conversation once we get to AI, which I think is fascinating. I'm like enamored with the idea of everything that's happening right now. I think we live in the most glorious time in human history. And people that I've spoken to have mixed feelings about what's going on today. But 
it there's a have you ever heard of this book called Factfulness by Hans Rosling? Oh, you'll love it. Right. It's a yeah, Factfulness is a book all about facts as to why the time we live in today is factually the best time in human history so far. It's not just because airy fairy, oh, everything's good and let's just be positive and things are going well, right? And we can get caught up in a reality where it looks like the world is going down. What do they say? Go, going to hell in a handbasket or something, right? That's what people feel like. People can make it feel like uh, that's what's happening. And it's not like the world is good and getting better. It's good and getting better. And that's been a mantra for a long time in my life, both about individual and about realities. Like I'm good and getting better, right? We're not finished. And life is good and getting better. It's not finished, but it is good. And, and it's better than before because we as individuals and life as a collective is evolutionary. So things are moving in a great direction. Oh, there's so many great things to talk about if we look at the world today. Oh, I love you, Moshe. I'm so grateful that the universe brought us together all those years. And we're going to have to have you back on because you have a new book coming out later this year, right? Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for remembering. Yeah, uh, yeah that's yeah, that's really exciting. That's called The Three Conditions, mm -hmm. How Intention, Joy, and Certainty Will Supercharge Your Life. And uh, yeah, and that comes out in November. I love it. We're going to have to have you on again then. And where do people go to connect with you now if they want to find It's All the Same to Me, if they want to find your TED Talk? Where would they go to find all of that? Sure. The TED Talk, they can find it on YouTube. And if they want, I think the first chapter, maybe the first couple chapters we give away for free on the website, which is www.moshegerscht.com. M-O-S-H-E-G-E-R-S-H-T.com. And they can find lots of things over there and they certainly can get access to the beginning of the book. Beautiful, my friend. Any last pieces of wisdom that you'd love to leave our audience with today? There's only now. Now is good and getting better. So powerful. Moshe, your dear friend, brilliant thought leader. I, it's just so incredible to watch you blossom and watch all of the millions of lives that you are touching with your deep wisdom, your profound thoughts, and your connection to source and spirit. It is a joy to know you, my friend. It is a joy to get to share your message with our audience here on Regarding Consciousness. Again, I am Jennifer K. Hill, the CEO of om-heals.com and om.app, om.app. And always welcome your feedback. So if you're watching this on YouTube, all episodes do come out first on YouTube under at Jennifer K. Hill, if you want to catch them before anybody else does. Or of course, we're available on all podcast channels. So grateful to have you here with us. And thank you for your listening and your trust. Thank you so much for joining us today for another episode of Regarding Consciousness with Jennifer K. Hill. We would love it if you would take a moment and write a review for us or rate us on Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is. And if you'd like to stay in touch and find out about upcoming events with some of the amazing guests we've had on the show, like Deepak Chopra and other world thought leaders, feel free to join my email list at metabizics, M-E-T-A-B-I-Z-I-C-S dot com. Again, that's metabizics dot com. And you can go ahead and join our email list there. Thanks so much. And we look forward to having you join us next week.